good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain. Nutrition. Chewing. The. Fat. Podcast. Episode. One, three, three. One, three, two. Is it? There you go. For fuck's sakes. Keep up with it, Joe. What are we talking about? I've just sworn already. Talking about happiness hacks. Oof. Not like that? <laughs> we'll roll with it. <laughs> well, you said I could call it what I wanted. So. <laughs> I know. Now I'm instantly regretting it. It's like letting a kid pick their outfit. Oh, so I was going to say, it's a bit like, like a kid naming a dog. Like, oh, we can't call it. Can't be yelling that in public. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is, I suppose, inspired, isn't it, by uh, podcasts we both listen to, and obviously our own experiences as well, we'll talk about, but I suppose some points we're going to take from, I think it's episode 101, Diary of a CEO with Mo, can you say second name? Godat. Godat. Mo Godat. And if you've not listened to it, go listen to it after you've listened to us, obviously. Don't break from that. But super inspiring fellow with an amazingly oh heartbreaking story mm. powerful stuff quite i was a uh, i don't did you have a did you have a cry to it did you have a wet eye i was i was driving like trying to blink away the tears like because it's very upset it's upsetting stuff isn't it yes would you like to fill the listeners in with a little bit of uh, his history yeah we'll do so he was uh chief business officer of google x so he was responsible for the the up and coming the moonshot projects the the million to one projects because he was an extremely smart astute bloke very good at maths and engineer he was i think he was skinned at 25 so by the time he was 29 he had more money than he ever knew what to do with you know he had loads of houses nice cars beautiful wife and he was clinically depressed and so he went on this journey to happiness, bought all the books, did all the courses, obviously being a very bright, hardworking bloke, hence being, you know, in the C-suite at Google, meant that he worked really, really hard to become a happier person. He was saying, I think he's, I forgot where he's from, he's from the Middle East somewhere, isn't he? Mm. And he was saying that he would get pulled over at the airport every time, and they would say to him, right, Mr. Gordat, what are the 10 questions? And he'd go, my name's Mo Gordat, this is where I'm from, this is my mother's maiden name, this is my wife, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because of his because of his ethnicity, and he said that it never affected his happiness. He would become so resilient through his learnings that he was able to deal with the adversity in his life. And then his son Ali was nineteen, and he had to get his appendix out. And there were five potential um, issues that could happen, and four of them happened when um, he was being operated on i think they i don't know if you heard this but i'm not sure if it was in his book or the podcast inflate his rib cage i think it was so they could operate and the needle went in too far and they severed one of his arteries they didn't realize um and then ultimately he died on the operating table at 19 um and he then made it mo gorda his life's mission to 
almost lived vicariously through his son. He said that his son had always been more happy, more carefree, more resilient. He'd learned loads from him and he lost not only his son, but his best friend. And so that's why he then went on this mission. He said, you know, for the first four months after Ali died, he just wrote and wrote and wrote. And that was the book, uh, Soul for Happy, which I think has gone on to do really well. He's written, he's written a couple of others since. Um, and it's his journey to happiness. You know, he learned how to be happy with his son there and then wanted to take the journey further. I think he's, I think he's gone now is to help a billion people to be happy. Um, and the lessons that he's discovered are, are very useful. The guy's obviously, as I said a couple of times, super smart, super sharp. He's worth listening to. Um, yeah, inspiring stuff. Yeah, massively. I think that's what we want to, I suppose, the things that resonated with me and a I believe for you, Joe, wasn't it? This idea that happiness is a choice. And I was speaking to uh, a client that had sent the podcast to. We were kind of a bit of a back and forth while she was listening to it. Uh, Saying that happiness is is a feeling. It's not a destination. And this, and he said it as well, it really gets people's backs up. Like, you can choose to be happy. And I don't just mean like, you know, people who are depressed just go like, you know, just smile, fake smile until you become happy but you can choose to take actions to become happy. And I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today, isn't it? It's like, are your expectations, are they the things that are preventing you from being happy? If we put it into you know terms of our clients or the listeners, are the expectations that you have destroying or ruining your chance of being happy? It's also your interpretation of events, isn't it? Which could mm. there's quite a lot of parallels here. And he was saying about how if your partner says something to you and it upsets you, is that your interpretation of that is then that they don't care or they don't love you? Is it is then an exaggeration of the reality? Is actually they've said a couple of words and they might not have meant it. Your interpretation is what upsets you. And so this isn't to say that you know if James and all my family turned to me and said that we hate you, we're going to disown you, that I could just go. Well, that's fine. These things are always going to be upsetting. But it's then not over-exaggerating that. It's not misinterpreting what's going on. It's making sure that we keep things in perspective and adjust accordingly. Because so often people take these things, take these comments as slights on their personality. Someone says, no, I'm not going to have a slice of cake. And someone says, oh, go on. And then in that person's mind, everyone's hassling me about their food, about my food choices. In my experience, this stuff, it's a couple of seconds over the course of hours. It's never remembered by anybody except you. I wrote a fantastic blog the other day, James. I don't know if you've seen it yet. <laughs> is, it, is it you or is it true? Because so often people take these things as truths and actually it's you. This is your interpretation of that situation. And if you interpret this a different way, then you can do differently. And he was saying about how in the aftermath of Ali's death, was he just kept saying, why didn't I drive him to a different hospital? Why didn't we go elsewhere where these mistakes wouldn't have happened? And it's this, you mentioned kind of anxiety and depression before. It's people spend so long either worried about the past or anxious about the future. The issue isn't right now in the present. And if a tiger came in here now, I would be petrified of that tiger. I'd be focused in that moment. And I wouldn't be worried about the future or the past. And this idea of staying present is so central to keeping people on a, on a more even keel and accepting what's gone in the past. He, it was too late for him. I think he said, he asked himself, I think he said, after a couple of weeks, I asked myself a question of, 
is this helpful? And the answer is, of course, no, it's not because the event's gone. You know, his son has died and that's how it is. And so you then have to move on from that. You have to then decide to consciously decide to think about other things. I was really liked he was saying about how he listens to, to watches Michael McIntyre every day before he goes to bed. So he's consciously making, he's making a decision to make himself laugh and to put himself in a better state. And I think it's important because I know what people say to this, like, well, I can't do that because I've had a really stressful day. Like, you're not suggesting that it's going to undo the stressful day. But it's going to change your state one, two, five, ten percent. And the better you get at doing that, the happier you're going to be longer term. Yeah, and just that reframe, isn't it, of looking at things that I think we're all guilty, probably some more than others, of catastrophizing and thinking, this is, and again, I don't want to excuse this, sometimes things are shit. And it's very easy to go like, but it could be worse. It could always be worse. And sometimes you can accept it and go like, life's a bit shit at the moment. You know, someone's ill, someone's died, someone's badly injured or whatever else is going on. You know, you can accept it and go like, okay, times are tough right now. It's not always acceptable or it's easy to go. It, it could be worse. Look at what's happening in, in the Ukraine and stuff like that because it could always be worse. And sometimes it is a bit crap. But that reframe and looking at gratitude and looking at, you know, what do you have going again from a, a fat loss perspective? We're often talking to people and just saying, okay, let's, let's not focus on what we can't do. Let's focus on what we can do. So let's not focus on, you know, what we don't have, let's focus on what we do have. And again, he uses an example that, you know, if you're sat there listening to this on an iPad, on your computer, or on your phone, then probably things aren't that bad. You know, if you can go home and lock your doors and sit down and watch your TV with your family, then probably things aren't that bad. If you can have a full belly and a warm bed, then probably things aren't that bad. And again, yeah, things can be bad. You know, things can be stressful at work, but... Can we zoom out? Can we look at the bigger picture? You know, that will pass. That stress at work, that project that needs doing, that boss that's on your back, that will pass. So, again, it's a little bit of reframing. Yeah, looking at expectations, you know, if we do swing it around into, I suppose, kind of like fat loss, dieting terms, isn't it? We see this all the time. People will have this expectation of, I've worked really hard this week. I deserve a two-pound loss. And then they lose a pound or they lose half a pound. And it's shit. They're disappointed. They're unhappy. Because their expectations were too high. Or they're not reframing it and going, you know what, I've for the last 15 years, I've not been consistent. I've not been happy with my food choices. I've not nourished my body. I've not moved. I've not done these things. And they'll do that for a week. Which again for me is a massive positive. You've not been consistent for a, a week before for the last 15 years, and then you pull that off, celebrate that win. If you felt more in control of your futures, if you felt more energized, you know, someone commented their win was the whites of their eyes are whiter. Love it. Celebrate that. That's something different. That's, that's a sign of progress. But because you've got this expectation that right now I've done this, I deserve this two pounds off, then all of a sudden you feel unhappy. Like celebrate all the wins. Again, you've got to change sometimes your expectations. Not to say, well, don't expect to lose anyway, but have the expectation of this week, I have done a massive thing by being consistent and sticking to what I said I was going to stick to. Because that make you happy. 
I was going to say, everything's a, a tightrope, isn't it? I think a tightrope is kind of a, the, the wrong analogy. It's more almost like there's a clear path to, to walk here. And it's because sometimes people go, well, I've, I've lost two pounds. My target was two pounds. Oh, actually, but I've liked a bit more. And then they're constantly asking for more. And their expectations are never met and they're never happy. And so, therefore, those people, they need to be a little bit happier. There's also people you know, who want to lose weight and to be healthier. And they go, I'm really glad I'm drinking more water. And you'll hear that for three, four weeks and end. And there has to be a point when you go, actually, there's more here. And it's about kind of balancing these things all the time. Because to go back to the emotions example, if you have a bad day, it's not very useful to just go, right, I'm just going to go watch TV and forget about it. Might work for you, might not. But for a lot of people, you know, we work with a lot of emotional eaters, that distraction willpower method doesn't work. Now, conversely, you can't go too far the other way. Because if you then spend four hours journaling about how awful it is, you're probably not going to feel any better either. That's that's not helpful either. So you have to find what's right for you. Now, this is why you then need to try different tactics and different approaches. I think one of the things that people are very guilty of, they find one or two things that work and then go, oh, I'm just going to do these. But there's always more to learn. And that's why I would constantly push people to listen to our podcasts. But... <laughs> Smarter people like Mo Gorda and you know, all these, there's all these resources, all of these famous, brilliant people who've recorded their thoughts. And you can find who's good by just who's got the reviews. You know, Mo, Mo Gorda's book's got a thousand reviews and audibles. It must be a reasonable quality. It's worth an hour of your time to listen to what he has to say because you can just learn more and more and more. And it's just then making sure that you're always pushing yourself forward. Make sure and find what works for you. Do you need to have? Are you able to turn yourself around in five minutes? You know, I would say that for the most part, I am. That's a skill. That's something that can be learned. And you'll only do that through practice. And I think the more grateful you are, the better you get at processing what's going on, the easier it will be. And the faster you can then feel better. And this is, you know, it's like a muscle, but people just aren't used to working it. And so you, the more you start to do these things, the happier you'll be, the more resilient you'll be, the more successful you'll be. But that's, I mean, you've been practicing that for years even without knowing with um, your mum pulling mm. you up whenever you're in a, a stroppy mood and saying like you know do you have a roof over your head if you've got warm clothes of food in the cupboards it's like okay yeah I'm practicing gratitude without even really knowing it forced gratitude <laughs> the, the best kind um, but I think it is a big thing you know that people just neglect and again you know uh, that's uh, you know something we've been discussing more and more with our approach to fat loss. It's creating an environment for fat loss. Again, it just goes so much beyond calorie deficit. You know, low carb, low fat, keto, whatever. It's working on you as a person. That's where the big changes happen. I know we said it on the maybe not last podcast or the podcast before. You know, the transformation starts from the neck up. Like, if you get yourself in a better place, you will react in a better way, and as I say, in a better way to these stresses, to these situations, these things that normally derail you, that, you know, there's a negative mindset that people fall into. I just can't do it. Prove it. You know, show me where you've not been able to succeed before or, you know, show me something that you've got perfect the first time before. You, you can't do it. You simply can't do it. So that's why we look at these things like lifestyle and mindset and coping mechanisms and belief systems and because that's where 
change happens, not just changing what goes on your plate, changing what goes through your mind. You know, this stuff can change your life as well. I think, obviously, we've got coaching to sell, so we're always going to be slightly biased on this. But I was I was doing the re-recording the Emotional Eating Mini Course, found it now on a Facebook ad near you. And the example of... Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, touch wood, of... I think I mentioned it the other week. I've got a couple of examples of, of Taz who... What was, it? what was the one I'm thinking of? Well, not, obviously not, not that kind of at the front of my mind. Um, Taking a good swim in. No, that wasn't it. Great, great podcast, this one. Yeah, absolutely. Fill this dead air. Can you, can you, can you edit this out? <laughs> no, it's real. It's raw. Oh, well, you chunt it for a bit and I'll, I'll have a think. But yes, the, the the power of being able to, and I post, posted something in the group the other day, like, do you feel that you can control your emotions? And I think people instantly think of, right, they're talking about emotionally, can I stop myself from, you know, emotionally? And I don't mean that. I mean, like, can you put yourself in a position where you're more likely to be happy, where you're more likely to be level-headed in different situations? Can you control your emotions like that? Well, you can do by putting yourself in a more positive state. This is sounding really hippie in it now, like I'm going to burn some sage. But by doing things like, and it sounds really wanky because everyone talks about it, but everyone talks about it because it's really good. Gratitude journaling. Just looking at what are you grateful for? Right, well, I'm filling out my gratitude journal in my super king-size memory foam mattress bed, you know, with my kid safe and warm asleep upstairs, you know, with a fridge full of food, with, you know, whatever, you know, clean clothes and clean bed stuff. You know, can I record just three wins, no matter how big or small today? And again, all these things, just like uh, Mo does, you know, goes to bed watching Michael McIntyre, not my choice personally, but each of their own. He's putting himself in a positive space. You know, he's not watching a ton of negativity. It's not going down a, YouTube rabbit hole of misery. You know, he's choosing what, I suppose, like food, what he puts into his his mind, not his body. So if we start surrounding ourselves and acknowledging the positives, you're going to become a more positive person. You're going to be able to reframe these situations that before were, you know, you get blinkered on, don't you? Again, just as a just while you get your thoughts together. Are you there yet? Give me the thumbs up. Uh, I'm going to, have to, I'm going to, have to park it. I'll, I'll <laughs> move on. I've done this with clients before. This idea, and I'm sure this will resonate with people listening, and it's you could do 60 days. Let's just say 28 days. 28 days is great on your diet. And then Thursday happens, and Sheila brings in a legendary Mars cheesecake or whatever. You have a slice of that, and you're like, oh, well, I've ruined this day. And then that day goes to shit. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, oh God, I absolutely messed it up yesterday. And then you mess up that day. And then you mess up the next day. And before you know it, you've done three days where you're happy with your food choices and you think, I knew I was going to blow it. I've ruined it. I've ruined my diet. Because you're blinkered and you're stuck in that little negativity like I've had three shit days. And you're ignoring the 28 days that you've done great. 28 days where you've improved your food choices. You've been in control. You've logged your steps. You've drunk your water. You've done your exercise. So sometimes it's being able to zoom out and just reframe that and go like, right. And that's when I'll get clients to go, right, get a calendar, put a big green tick every time you have a good day, put a red cross where you're not happy with that day. And you can see 
the difference. You know, you can look back and go, right, I've got 28 ticks there. I've got three crosses. That doesn't, you know, tip the balance. That's not bad. I can just get back on it. And I might have six more green ticks and then one red cross and then 14 ticks and two crosses. And you can see how well you're doing. It's a visual representation. Again, it's an easy way of reframing it instead of just getting stuck in that negativity. I did shit at breakfast. I've done shit at lunch. I've done shit at dinner. I've eaten shit snacks. Next day, oh, I had a crap day yesterday. I'm going to have a crap day today. It can pull you out of that funk. And again, it's just that power of a, I'll say again, reframing. And that's because it's where you're focusing, isn't it? You're focusing on what you aren't doing right. And it's a fine balance because if you just focus on the things that you're doing well, you might miss areas to work on. But then if your problem is you do, like you say, you do 28 days really well and then you blow it off, then you have to be focusing on the positives. You have to get better at recognizing the things that you've done well and if you're not very good at that if you've cut you know james made that joke about me doing forced reps of the gratitude journal with my mum but it's made a massive difference you know it's molded me as a person and a lot of people aren't that lucky they are born with negative mums and negative dads and negative grandparents and so they're quite negative too now this is on you to stop that you know we've just told you what you can do you have to i've just found the quote where attention goes energy flows if you focus on that negativity then that's where you're going to end up. Your actions will, will go down that direction. I'm a big fan of working on the words that people use. Someone said to me today, my stomach should be smaller. Now, why should it? There's a mm. reason that this is one of the central parts of CBT because it's such a negative way to look at something. There's an expectation that your stomach should look differently to where it is. And that's not true. That's your interpretation. That's not the truth. That's your truth. You've decided that's a fact, and it's not. You've decided that that's the thing that's important to you, the size of your stomach. And I think it's so important. You know, this is one of the things that comes up in the, the lifestyle module that we do as part of the Sustained Six-Month Plan, is looking at what are your passions? What are the things that you enjoy doing? Who do you speak to? What is your support network like? Because if you're surrounded by negativity, if you just constantly berate yourself if you're unable to communicate with others and to say look i'm really struggling or look i don't want you to talk to me this way then you are you know you're a football being kicked around you're not responsive to what's going on i've forgotten who says this you know you can either be a football or a cat a football you know you can just kick and it will just fly around it will it will just be acted on by the forces around whereas if you go to kick a cat it'll move it'll jump it might scratch you you have to be the cat you have to fight back you have to react and take responsibility because if you lie down and just take a kick in you feel too good for it and also in that example that you've just given there like someone saying my stomach should be smaller than it is right now that's the expectations that are driving whether they're happy or sad isn't it it's because they're expecting something that you know when people say i deserved i think i deserve to lose more or to get a better result like well that's just not the way it is i'm afraid that's not to say that that person's stomach's not got smaller, you know, that they've not improved, that they've not made progress. But the level of progress, because they're expecting it, is what's driven their happiness, isn't it? Or sadness, disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. And it's then trying to make sure that you take yourself out of that and ask challenging questions. You know, is this true? Is this the case? Is this just me looking through my lens? And I think that's why I'm such a big fan of, the affirmations and the end of week check-ins and reflecting on the things that have gone 
yeah, it never fails to blow my mind. There's a few kind of fat loss groups I'm in and someone will say, I've had an awful day and they'll go start again tomorrow. And I always just, it makes me like scream at my laptop, like, no, like, learn now from what's gone wrong. Assess what's gone wrong. Stop just saying start again tomorrow. Because you, if you start again tomorrow with the same mind that you had today, then tomorrow is going to be just like today. You've not learned anything because of that. It's ultimately burying your head in the sand. It's hiding away from the reality of the situation. It's not going to work. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it in anything else. You know, if, if you think about kind of like your accounts, right, once you have to save some money, do you want to look at last month's statements? Nope, just going to start again. What? What are you talking about? It's never going to work. But people avoid it because it's food consumption is so personal. It's reflecting on, on your mistakes. It's interesting. I was reading something the other day talking about the differences between men and women and about how men are much more able to differentiate between their, uh, their failures and their identity. Whereas women take on their failures more personally. And maybe the reason I was listening to it was because it's like, well, there's definitely, there are ways that me and you can coach better, especially being quite resilient blokes. We're not always as appreciative of that because we can't be because we're coming from a different perspective. But being able to understand that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me of like, ah, I've never, I've never heard that before. But then it's just something that, that women can use to go, this is just how my brain is wired. I'm not, I'm not the... Um, the addition of all my failures. It's not who I am. It's just part of the experience that I've been through. And so being able to separate yourself out from those negative events is key to being happy, grateful, positive, and being successful longer term. Yeah, I suppose gaining momentum from looking at all the victories, all the the positives. You know, again, in my experience, when you get people who struggle with a diet and go like, oh, I'm weak, I'm a failure. What are you talking about? You know, again, when people say, oh, I'm, I'm lazy, you know, speak to a lady later on today who said, like, oh, why can't, I? you know, I asked her what she's struggling with. She's like, I'm just lazy. Like, I just don't believe that. Like, you have a career. You have a family. You run a house. You know, you've got all these things that prove that you're not lazy. There's no way a lazy person could do all those things. So there's something else going on. Again, it's just like a bit of a reframe. But so I think moral of the story, moral of the podcast is if you'll find yourself getting unhappy, sad, lackluster, is it due to your expectations? Can you question that? You know, again, it's a great question. Within that one with everything, it's like, is that really true? These thoughts that I'm having, are they really true? Which, again, is the heart of CBT, isn't it? Like, are my thoughts actually true or are they just thoughts? And, you know... Thoughts can drive your emotions and your belief systems, and then you'll conform to them. So they're well worth questioning. Going like, is this really true? You know, again, when people go to us, I'm having a really shit week. And you're like, are you telling me that like every single day has been shit, or has it just been a couple of crap events that have tarnished the entire week for you? And odds are there's 101 different wins that's happened in that seven days. There's 101 different positives. But again, we're blinking and we're just focusing on the two crap events. Oh, someone bumped my car in as the car park and didn't say anything. Yeah, that's crap. But you've got a car? Is that not a massive positive? You've got a car for someone to bump into? I know it's a bit of a shallow win. But you know, there's going to be lots of massive positives. And again, we're not expecting people to turn into like happy clappy you know garanga 
Hare Krishnas, well, that'd be nice. But there's always that power to control your mood and choose happiness if you look for it again. But like he says, uh, he definitely says it in podcast so much, and he says it in the book, like the more you look for these things, the more you identify these things, the more that muscle is trained and the more positive you will become. The more, and again, that's probably why we can do it. It's because we've done it so many times. Right, let's look at this situation. What can I learn from it? How can I make this into a positive? Whereas lots of people just take it as a massive negative and go, it's just all shit. Interestingly, the daily positive, I don't know if you remember this, was something we introduced into the coaching March 2020 because COVID started mm. and it was just a wash with negativity. And I just think, I think I could be wrong. Tell me if I am wrong. I think it was my idea of like, I just can't be dealing with this anymore. I cannot, yeah. I cannot work with this many people being this negative every day. Right, I want a positive from all of you every day. And then on a dime, it turned and my job was more enjoyable. And then people said at the end of the week, man, I feel loads better for writing these positives down. Brilliant. You know, something so simple that can just change the way that you're looking at things. And I think it's really important to say that you are allowed to have a moan. You are allowed to be frustrated. And there are healthy ways to process these emotions. In the same breath, you just don't want to dwell on them. You don't want to live in that place of focusing on the negatives. So it's really important to express what's going on first. Say, right, I'm having a bad day. This is frustrating me. Right, what can I do about it? Okay, I've spoken to this person. I've spoken to that person. I've had a moan. Okay, now I'm going to focus on the positives. Because it has to stop at some point. Otherwise, you're living in this place of negativity. You know, and if you can't get yourself out of that, then you need someone to help you. You know, just talking and being negative and more talking, being more negative, that's not the one. At some point, you have to challenge yourself or you have to get someone to challenge you. And that's that's the way out of this. Either get yourself out. And if you can't, get someone to help you. Yeah, just as you said before, isn't it that quote? It's like where your focus goes, your energy goes. No, energy goes, your focus goes. That's it. You know, so if you're just focused on the negative, guess what's going to happen? But if you focus on all the positive things in your life, then guess what's going to happen? The absolute flip reverse on that. So, I think that's it. Good. I look forward to figuring out what I was going to say, the story about the past. <laughs> Tune in next time for that. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Right. Thanks as always for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review. I don't even know. I just can't help saying that. Do you want to say goodbye? See yeah. you.